Welcome to the Tripod Live. I am your host, Winnie. I am sorry I'm not joined by Clarkie tonight to recap a crazy round two. Uh, Clarkie has said he's only going to appear live after Titans wins because he doesn't want to have to deal with any mean or nasty comments. So, um, no, all seriousness, Clarkie's been at the No Limit Boxing Card today in Sydney, so he couldn't make our live show. But I am here. Whether we win or lose, I face the music. In this case, we've had a really good round. But first of all, let's begin with this. The top of the ladder is the Dragons and the Dolphins. The Dolphins and then the Dragons. The two teams most people had dead bottom for 2023 lead the competition ladder, albeit Dragons have only played one game. But I'm sure they surprised a few of you, not me so much. We did get the best bet win with that Dragons game. And we won the mixed matchup. If you're on the mixed matchup this week, the Dragons outscored the Sharks. They needed over 30 points today. They had 32. So give a like if you're on that mixed matchup. It doesn't get much better than that. But let's go through game by game, guys. And the game I've got – oh, sorry, I'll chuck up the full um, best bets summary there as well because I like to try and do that every week regardless of whether we win or lose. It's kind of across my face there. But we see Penrith, we started the round strong. We had a winner there. The only loss for the round was Parramatta Eels. They didn't cover the four and a half, in fact, they lost the game. We'll talk about that one. Broncos, a strong win. That was the third best bet. And then the Dragons, first half we had them. And, in fact, they covered well for the full game. But let's go back to Wednesday night. And because I'm on my own, sorry, Thursday night, because I'm on my own, I'd love to hear your comments as well. And I will try and um, highlight as many of them as possible. Some people already giving Clarkie a bit of grief. As I said, he was at the boxing today. Um, but, hey, we can give him grief. He was celebrating the Titans win last week back down to earth this week, and um, we can't complain because we had a best bet win against him. Uh, so the Panthers, we bet to bounce back and get their first real win of uh, 2023. And I just feel like you can't play ultra-high intensity every single week like the Panthers have been doing. But it was clear that this game was important to them because they wanted to silence the doubters, silence the critics. And they were back to their old ways, physically dominated, I thought, and I think that was a big part of that was just the Panthers' mentality and their big players stepping up, their forwards leading the way. But let's not forget the Rabbitohs missing two key middles, Jai Arrow and Junior Totola, and that really showed as well. I felt like the Panthers were fully on top. Now, our best bet was for the Panthers to win the first half by two or more. Can you believe it was only 4-0 after 39 minutes in this game, uh, despite the fact that Bunnies barely could get out of their half? I felt like they were losing the arm wrestle. felt like Cleary had all night to kick. And yet the Bunnies hung in there until the final set of the first half where 50-metre long-range try by the Panthers extended the lead to 10. And I thought they were going to win big, especially in the second half when the Panthers got up 16-0. thought it was going to be a laugher. So I guess give some credit to the Bunnies. They didn't fold. In fact, not only did the Bunnies not fold, they got a couple scores towards the end of this game and even had a chance to level it at the death. They did have a little half break and a rubber in behind and... Penrith had to absolutely scramble to avoid a Bunnies put-down and a Luttrell shot at goal for 16-all. Now, having said, um, mentioning Luttrell, I thought he was pretty quiet in this game. He was in the headlines this week for some comments he made as well as having that knee complaint. You know, it was a bit like the prelim, but was that his injury slowing him down or was it just the fact that Penrith gave the Bunnies nothing, gave them no space or opportunities all night? Let's move to the game we lost on, which was... A Really entertaining game. Not so fun for me, but um, great for the neutral, great for the Sharkies, and uh, and a bit of a surprise as well in the upset win by Cronulla at Combank, beating the Parramatta Eels 
30 to 26. And I would say of all my best bets I've given out, and so far this season I've given seven with one, four, lost three. And I said last week I could totally live with um, those two lost. I feel like you play them again, we could easily win. I probably wouldn't want to have this Eels one again because maybe I misjudged the Sharkies. I was super impressed by how they could put up 30 points in this game without their best player. The way I envisioned this game in the breakdown and why I you know, have to admit I got it wrong, I thought it was going to be a grind. I thought it was going to be an arm wrestle. And I thought the class of the eel spine at home would get them home in this one. But in fact, it was actually massively open, enterta- entertaining game. And that brought the Sharkies outside backs into this one. And that's an advantage that actually quite a lot of teams the competition have over Parramatta. I don't feel like Parramatta have a lot of game winners in their outside backs, whereas the Sharkies outside backs are dynamic and they're not afraid to pass the ball around, shift on early tackles. And look, I don't know whether it was the game circumstances that forced Cronulla's hand because they found themselves down 10-0 very early and they had to attack the game and they knew they needed points to be able to win this one or if they came in with that game plan. But you take your hat off to them because they didn't come in and try and win ugly. They came in, played expansive, throwing it around, and ultimately they get enough to outscore the Eels and to come back in a back-and-forth game. Um, You know, it was a highly entertaining one. We've got the runners-up from 2022 now ruining another close defeat because if you look a bit close under the microscope of these last, uh, last two Eels games, they really could have had them both won. But for me, the decisive plays in this one were in the second half by Mulitalo and Kennedy. With 20 to go, Parramatta is attacking the Sharks' line and is leading the game until Mulitalo takes an intercept. They don't score that play, but he gets run down by Moses, tackled 30 out. They score the very next play. Kennedy's the man who scores. It was his third of the game, talking about these dynamic outside backs. I include Kennedy in that for the Sharkies. And then I think the very next set or next attacking set for the Sharks, Mulitalo wins. Or catches a contested bomb and extends the lead to 10. So that was really where the game was won and lost with 12 quick points for the Sharkies. In saying that, I mean, it's five tries each. Moses actually misses a couple of his conversions. I thought there could have been an eight-point try when Moses scored. I thought he got a clear, clearly hit in the head, hit high as he was scoring. You know, that, that could have been helpful. I also thought Ramian could have gone to the bin for a late and high shot on Gutho. Nothing's made of it, and yet Gutho has to go off for 15 minutes for HIA, and in that time, the Eels were up 10-0 and then relinquished that lead by the time Gutho came back on. So I do feel like a few of these moments hurt the Eels, but, you know, you change one or two of those moments, maybe they could have won. It doesn't mean they would have covered the line for sure. So um, it goes back to the fact that I underestimated Cronulla, and it's a very impressive win from their point of view without the man who won the Dally M for them last year. Will always face up to any bets, and that includes um, Clarkie's bet on Wonga Blake to score. He did not score this week, so Clarkie's got one win, one loss, but his winner was at $3. Kind of ironic, Wonga Blake actually had a chance to score the winning try right at the end and uh, fumbled it for a knockoff. Now, what about this game? The boys from the Olympic City, Brisbane Broncos 28, defeating the Cowboys 16, and this was another game where we did have a best bet. I can see some people getting excited in the comments. Um, The original Queensland derby, remember what I said that just after our season preview where I had the Cowboys top four and I had the Broncos top eight, I really started to think to myself, why are the Cowboys necessarily better than Brisbane? Have I got the correct best team in Queensland? And I also said in the season preview that my buy of the year was Reese Walsh. And I don't know if a lot of other people were really acknowledging 
how big that could be. Well, now we've got Brisbane having beaten first from last year and third from last year. And we have Reese Walsh being absolutely electrifying. At least what we've got to show for it, we're a punting show, we give some punting advice. What we've got to show for it is we have been on the Broncos the last two games for best bets. So at least we've won in that regard. Look, most of you guys probably watched this game. This show is about recapping, reliving the weekend of footy. I want to hear your thoughts as well. Um, you get to hear my thoughts. Maybe you didn't get to watch all the games. You probably watched this one. For me, what jumped out is what jumped out to everybody. It's Walsh's, just Walsh's uh, electric debut for his club. It's like speed is one thing. I'd say a lot of these, you know, outside backs and wingers have a lot of speed and over 50 metres or 80 metres, a bunch of them could probably out-sprint Walsh. But for me, it's his quickness. And what I mean by that is the way that he can move laterally, the way that he skips across the line. And next thing you know, he's catching a pass and he's at the defensive line and he's forcing a decision. And he can beat defenders with his feet or with his passing game as well. And he just caused the Cowboys problems all night. In the end, Brisbane scored four straight tries with, yeah, Reese Walsh absolutely electric. This was after the Cowboys did lead 8-0 early. So... At that point, I was a little bit worried, but the game turned with a try or a couple of Broncos tries in the final 10 minutes of the first half. Mam scores right at the end of the first half. This is another really exciting ball player who is young for the Broncos, and it looks like he's only getting better. That made it 10 all at the break. The decisive play is the drinkwater sin bin. So I'd be interested to hear what you guys thought of this one. For me, it, it's a tough one. It wasn't malicious. Um, Horrible outcome for Corey Oates, obviously. Broken jaw, you hate to see it. He was playing really good footy. Drinkwater's coming across, it's fast. I, I kind of thought arms were used, but at the same time, I do see the body turning side on and I do see contact with the jaw. And, you know, could have been a penalty, maybe not a sin bin. In any case, it did save a try and it, obviously it's going to knock Oates out for a few weeks. So drink, Drinky goes to the bin and in that time, Brisbane do score twice. And you could basically say that, was the difference in the game, um, but taking advantage of having that extra man. Peyton, at the end of the game, ultimately said that a lot of things went against the Cowboys and he was proud of the fact that they still were within six with, you know, five minutes to go. So, look, I'm happy with the win there for our best bet, but understanding a lot of the big moments did go the Broncos' way. Our same game multi did not get up this week with better. It was built around my best bet. So it was built around Brisbane to win, which did happen, but Cobbo didn't score a try. A couple of half chances, uh, opportunity where they grub it out to the right, but but either him or Staggs could have got it and Staggs scored. And in the end, the late try by Walsh pushed one too many tries in the second half. So no luck with the same game of this week. Of course, we did win at $7 last week. Let's move to Saturday. And you guys send your comments through. Uh, One-eyed Broncos fan does say it should have been a send-off. So there's two arguments there. Some people saying it shouldn't have been bin and others saying it should have been a more harshly penalised the drink water shot there. Quite a few sin bins and big decisions over the weekend. And, look, um, we're not NRL 360, so I'm not going to litigate too many of the big calls, just talk about when they impacted a game. But I'm definitely interested in your thoughts as we go through. So as we move to Saturday, this game surprised me a little bit. The Roosters did win 20-12, to 12, but remember that line was 12 and a half, so the Warriors get a cover there again. And look, New Zealand carried the defence that kept Newcastle to 12 points last week in Wellington. They brought that into Allianz, to be honest. Only conceding three tries in this one is pretty impressive considering daytime conditions, a hot afternoon, the weapons that are on this Roosters side, and the fact that the Roosters did score in the first five minutes 
from then on, the Warriors honestly hung in this match really well. In fact, it was 8-6 to the Roosters at the break. And by the same token, I never felt really worried that the Roosters were going to lose the game. Uh, but and, and certainly when the Roosters broke the game open, Luke Keary, I don't know if anyone plays a short side better than him, and his deft touch put Swali'i into space. Swali'i almost muffed the try by not just giving it back to Teddy, but ultimately found Walker. At that point in the game, with 20-25 to go, uh, it's 18-6 to the Roosters. You're thinking it's game over, but it wasn't, as Clarkie has joined the chat. So, guys, give it to Clarkie. Let him know how the Titans went because I don't know if he would have seen the match. As I said, he's, he refuses to come on the show after any Titans loss. Um, getting back to this one, as I said, the Warriors actually scored, pull it back to 18-12. And if you didn't see this one, the Warriors then make a full clean line break. Wade Egan, I think most teams the competition score. It's two-on-one draw and pass. But I really think the experience of Teddy not committing to the challenge, allowing his chasers to run back, he just able to diffuse that opportunity for the Warriors when it really should have been a try for sure. And the Warriors had more opportunities after that. The very next play could have scored to the left. Dylan Walker tries to grab him behind. Too heavy off the boot. Suddenly it's out. Uh, it's a... Uh, it's dead and it's a seven-tackle set. The Warriors got back down there again, had the Roosters on the ropes, only to get a quick play the ball with nobody in at dummy half and turned it over and got there again, the Warriors, for a chance to make the game interesting late and dropped it. So the Roosters did have to withstand a bit of pressure at the end, but they ultimately held on. They'll be happy to get their first win of the season, though they will be, of course, sweating a little bit the Injury status of Brandon Smith. He's been in the wars already since joining this club. Um, in this game, a backslash rib complaint um, reeling out of a tackle there is a bit of a concern for the Roosters. Question there. Thoughts on these short line dropouts? I think that's a really good question. I'm actually for it. You know what? I think in the future, teams may actually go short off regular kickoffs as well. I think all you're really risking is... 20, 30, like 40 metres max, but you're not usually going to force a team back 40 metres of where you meet them and tackle them. So you're risking a little bit of territory, but what you stand to gain is a change in possession, which is pretty massive. And a lot of these teams have got like a uh, massive aerial threat outside backs. And we've seen game-changing plays. I think to this afternoon, Dom Young, um, when the Knights backs were against the wall, a short dropout was a game saver. So I, I, I'm for them. I've actually thought teams should do them long ago. I know Desi Hasler had the dogs doing a few years ago and people thought he was crazy, but it's just when it's not the norm and when nobody else is doing it, it seems weird. But I think the whole league is starting to understand um, that it is very worthwhile rolling the dice. Now, I know people want to talk about Bulldogs. I've already seen that in the comments as some people reckon Clarky should be on a nudie run for not being on the pod live. Look, never mind Clarky. Never mind the doggies. We'll get to that next. Get your fins up. Yeah, your fins up, guys. The Dolphins beat the Raiders 20-14. to 14. Everyone knows that's my team since day one. And I want to know, hit the heart button, hit the thumbs up if you are stiff for the cliff because they got the win again and this was as impressive as last week because they were down 12-0, the Dolphins, in some really tough conditions. It was amazing scenes to fight back and get the win over Sticky's men here. Early in the game, I thought that the, the Dolphins were going to come in with the same game plan that saw them victorious over the Roosters, and the Raiders looked ready for it. The Raiders came in saying, you're not going to beat us by slamming through the front door. We're going to meet you. 
And in fact, we're going to dominate the middle of the field. And the Raiders are known for a, a physical forward pack, and they don't even really play a ball playing 13. They just play like three props in the middle of the field. And I actually thought the Raiders were the more physical and were winning the collisions in this game. And that's had them in really good stead and had them with a 12-point lead. And to be honest, the Raiders could have won this game comfortably. The key moment for me was when the Raiders were up 12-0 and Jeremy Marshall King is sent to the bin for a hip drop. Raiders did not score during that period of time with an extra man. In fact, they let in a try with an extra man advantage on the field. Who scored it? Of course, the hammer. Who else? And that was right before half time. And that made it anybody's game into the second half. We had a bit of controversy in the second half here. Gilbert scored the try that levelled the game at 12 ball. What did you guys think? For me, even though I'm a staunch Dolphins fan, I didn't think it was a try. I thought that he did push Timiko in the back. But I have to say, regardless of how you saw it, it's Timiko's fault because he didn't clean up the kick. He didn't get to it. If it was because he was pushed, at the very least, he had to appeal to the ref. He somehow just dropped his head after Gilbert scored. It was like he was disappointed in himself. I reckon if a couple of Raiders appeal that, it gets looked at a lot more closely. And I don't know if the bunker would have had a say or would have been able to genuinely award it. Even the commentary box was saying there's hands in the back there. So a bit fortunate there, that decision for the Dolphins. That leveled it up. Still anybody's game. And uh, again, we're not 360 and there were plenty more moments that can be um, discussed more in depth. There was a, one more sin bin either side and both somewhat controversial. I mean, Hudson Young got sin binned for being not square at marker on his try line. You know, is that a sin bin? We do see teams milk penalties knowing that the marker couldn't quite get back square um, and the dummy half just dives through the line just trying to get a six again. doesn't often end in a sin bin. I know it's a tight game, so, okay, it was a penalty and a sin bin against the Raiders, but then the Dolphins got sin bin too with O'Sullivan uh, for a high and maybe late shot on on uh, Harawera Naira. But really, it kind of looked to me like CHN ran into O'Sullivan. The worst thing you can say about him is possibly he turned a little bit side on to Brace. Uh, but again, I mean, you give a penalty, that could be considered harsh, let alone a penalty and a sin bin. I guess it all evened out in the end. And at the end of the game, it was hammer time. That man again, I will say it again, he's the star the Dolphins had all along. All the talk, they couldn't sign a star. They had one in their midst already, uh, and that got them the win in front of their home faithful at KO Stadium. Monitor the judiciary out of this one. The Dolphins do play the Knights next week. I bring that up because the Dolphins are playing the Knights. It's a winnable game for sure. We'll talk about the carnage from today. Brisbane play St. George next week, as good as the uh, Dragons did look today. Can you imagine, just imagine for a second, in round four at Suncorp Stadium, the Broncos playing the Dolphins, and they could both be undefeated top of the ladder. How crazy would that be? Not many could have predicted that. Right, that wasn't probably the most shocking result of the round, though. We move to Saturday night. But before I give you my thoughts on that one, let's hear how the bookies did for the weekend, thanks to our show sponsor, Tristan at Top Sport. G'day, Tripod family. Tristan Merlihan here from Top Sport. Another fascinating weekend in rugby league where there were some big upsets. There were... Um, Obviously, the Panthers bounced back and got the result against the Bunnies in the opening game of the weekend. But there were some big betting moves. Um, our biggest result of the weekend was the Sharkies against the Eels. Um, there was a lot of multis rolling into the Eels in that game. Uh, we were pretty happy uh, at the end of that game. And I think they were probably fortunate to win the Sharks with um, Guffo going off with the HIA and then you know, the intercept try as well. So that one was uh, probably a little bit of luck on our side. The, the, the other game that was probably the, well, definitely our biggest loss, but probably the most surprising from our end was the Bulldogs against the Storm. 
we laid some really, really big bets right at the death on the Bulldogs to win that match, and they won it very, very convincingly. So some very shrewd punters that um, obviously got, got a nice result there at a big price. So it'll be interesting how the, uh, the Storm bounced back in week three. Um, the Dolphins obviously kept on rolling. They were very impressive there to get the result there and go 2-0. and So that one was very, very even from our perspective. There was money both ways on the line. Um, so it's going to be a tricky one to work out where we set that line next week against the Knights, particularly with um, obviously some HIA concerns for, uh, for some of the stars from the Newcastle team. So hope you're back to winner over the weekend. And as always, gamble responsibly. Thank you, Tristan. Uh, I hope you guys could hear that. I feel like I couldn't hear it properly on my end, but I had a feeling it might have been all right. No one was commenting, complaining about the sound there. We do our best as we are live and dangerous. Thanks to Blanche, who commented earlier regarding the controversial Gilbert try, saying a bit of hand fighting. He's happy with that. Uh, and Jeff Craner just says the Titans don't count. And the tripod says... Give this video a like if you're stiff for the cliff. Let's move on to Saturday night because, as I say, that was really the shock of the round, although maybe not to the guy who tipped in our group, Dogs Plus 7.5, The Undertaker. I'd love to shout him out and tell you his record, but he's been winning so many I can't keep up with his record. Uh, Maddie, maybe you can. So I'm going to guess it's something like 11-2, and 12-2, so we, we're talking kind of over 80% so far this season. The man has absolutely got flames coming out of his you-know-what, and he had the dogs in this one, and I undersold him there, 13-2. and two. Um, Available on our Discord as well, which uh, hit me up if you need a link to our Discord. You can even get alerts to The Undertaker. We call him The Undertaker because he loves unders, and he had unders in this game under 40.5, which cashed. He had dogs plus 7.5, which cashed. And we also call him The Early Taker because he gets in early sometimes and finds lines that end up moving a long way by the time the game kicks off. For me, I am a bit disappointed that I wasn't on the doggies with Maddie in this one um, because it's the kind of game I should have also been able to pick out and tip. Uh, as Maddie says, one of his only losses was actually taking the Cowboys on Friday night against me. So, Maddie, you'd be like 95% if you didn't take me on. But um, look, who am I to speak? I'm 4-3. and three. Maddie's 13-2. It's his world. We're just living it right now. Now, I want to try and find these winners this year. And as Maddie said before, this was one of the easiest winners of the year. For me, I was kind of looking at it at the surface level because obviously in hindsight, it's easy to say I should have been on, you know, all the results. We don't have a crystal ball. But on the surface level, I was looking going, well, the dogs were five and a half at Manly and they're six and a half at the Storm. And, you know, the Storm are every bit as good as Manly. Um, and if anything, the doggies didn't justify the five and a half line last week because they got blown out. It probably should have been higher. But what I failed to probably understand is that this version of the Melbourne Storm team is not as good as the Manly side that lined up in round one. Um, look at the injury list. You know, obviously there was no Munster, but Olam is out. We know Pappenhausen's out. Sims has not joined this team yet. Kamitha was out. Moera was out. They lost four internationals in the offseason. And then Xavier Coates was ruled out game week. Now, that was after Wednesday's pod. There's not much we can do there. But I kind of looked at this game and said, oh, Melbourne, home early season, and Harry Grant and Hughes can be the difference. But I feel like that was kind of stupid with the amount of new faces. If you actually watched this game, you would have been looking at this Storm game going, who are these guys? I mean, I know who all these, you know, new crop of Storm players are, but it just doesn't look like the Melbourne Storm. The faces are new and the way they play is nothing like what we're accustomed to. Now, for the Dogs' point of view, they were 100 times better than round one, but I did say in the recap they just needed to hold the footy because they were so sloppy at rookie. 
if they valued possession, they've actually got some match winners. And I saw a comment before about Jacob Caraz. And there's quite a few Jacobs that have probably got to get a mention this weekend. But uh, Caraz is, is just, you know, it was a handful for the Storm all night. I thought he was magnificent. I think he had a double. Uh, but going back to the Melbourne Storm, first of all, Poi praised the dogs. So uncharacteristic, so sloppy. They found themselves down 16-0 at halftime in this, 26-0 before they got into the game. I've never seen them miss that many tackles. Um, you know, I look at uh, look at the new recruits for the Dogs. You've got Reed Marnie looks right at home. Kickow had some good moments. Burton, he's been there for a year now, but he was running the ball more. And then the Dogs forwards were really getting on top, and that was just giving, kick, uh, giving Burton all the time and space he needed to put up his terrifying kicks uh, just with that momentum. Another Jacob, Jacob Preston, scored the opening try in this game at over 100 metres. Uh, playing second row, he looked like he had a bit about him. So Storm finally fought back at the end when it was too little too late. Uh, but it's the bad news doesn't end there either because Big Nelson and the injury that could have him out for six to eight weeks. So now you're looking at the Storm side. And, I mean, I only tipped him to come seventh in the season preview. I was probably as low as anybody's prediction out there. And now you're starting to look at it, even though they get the golden point win in round one, it could be a long season. It's not really their fault with all these injuries mounting up, but it goes back to, um, yeah, wish I'd been on the dogs because I did lean their direction over six and ultimately my feeble reasons for thinking the storm would be too good here were proven very wrong. And it's just a reminder for all of us, one week can make a big difference because you had probably the worst loss around one could have been the doggies and arguably the most impressive win of round two belonged to them as well. Oh, Matty O'Keefe says he wouldn't have wanted to be a chair in that Storm dressing room. And Ryan says the Storm's issue is not the players, bar the forwards they let go, but Cam Smith was the one on the field who helped turn nobodies into guns. Now, the point there as well is that we are just used to players we haven't heard of before coming into a Melbourne Storm jersey and just belonging in the NRL. And, in fact, we've seen a lot of players that didn't even play first grade, like Harry Grant, were stars in the making. And I, and I actually said this in preseason that now other teams are kind of raiding their depth, signing some of their young players, forcing them to spend more than they want to to keep players, and it is really testing the depth. And then you add in these injuries, and, yeah, it's, it's just maybe not the same Storm team. Now, we don't want to overreact. You know that they're going to get a, re, a response next week, and they do play the Titans, so it's a very winnable game, and maybe Melbourne wins big next week. And... Um, you know, this is just a blip on the radar, but a disappointing home opener for the Storm. In terms of next week, of course, wait till Wednesday night because that's when we will do our week three preview, of course. Let's move to Sunday. Just a couple more games to discuss and an upset win in each of them. Uh, and another game, and I'm not just saying this, but go back and listen to Wednesday. Another game easily could have been a best bet. I kind of obviously wish I had taken the Knights I wanted to get Knights plus four and a half. That's what I was kind of aware that it was on Monday and Tuesday. But I take the lines that are available Wednesday night. By Wednesday night, the Knights were plus two and a half, and I just couldn't quite do it. So I didn't take Newcastle. But the funny thing is, as Blanche says, worst game of the year, you wouldn't have wanted to be on Newcastle two minutes into this game because if you didn't see it, Kalen Ponga knocked out, just about knocked out cold, or certainly knocked out dazed, stunned on his back, reeling out of a tackle of Kapoa and concussed HIA, but instantly ruled out for the game. That's two minutes in. What a brutal 
into his game, especially after last week where he said it was a phony concussion. He couldn't play on for the final 15 because he had to be assessed and then knocked out instantly in this game. And what people need to probably appreciate about losing a player, losing your best player um, two minutes in, this is even worse than like Melbourne having to play without Munster or Sharks having to play without Nico Hines because those teams knew they weren't going to have their star attacking weapon and they could prepare all week without them. But when you lose a player in the game super early, you've got to just patch it on the fly and you've got to change your whole game plan. As if that wasn't bad enough, the Knights lost Jaden Braley just 10 minutes later, who's another leader and key position player there, a hooker who can play 80 minutes. They were down Braley and Ponga. Despite that, it was the Knights who scored the first two tries. They were up 10-0 in this game. Gagai back, he did have a hand playing on one for Dom Young. And it wasn't until Dom Young, that man again, was sent to the bin that West got an opportunity and finally did find the score sheet. And West did score a try to make it 10-6 to Newcastle at halftime. Any opinions on the West Tigers' first try? I thought it was a knock-on. I thought that the player had the ball dislodged in the tackle and it flung out the back uh, to the West centre. Did I miss something? I know that Jackson Hastings just stopped and didn't even try and tackle uh, the Tigers as they brought it round closer to the sticks, which helped them convert it because he thought it was a clear knock on. I don't know. Um, I might have like not been able to hear the bunker or something and maybe they said there's a reason why it was all right. I don't know. Did they say it was deliberately knocked out by the Knights defender? I thought that the Tigers got a pretty good call there. I also thought the Tigers got a good call when uh, Luke Brooks 40-20 in the second half was awarded when it looked to me like he was clearly across the 40. And on top of that, although the Tigers were chasing the game a little bit in the second half, Tyson Frizzell was injured. He had to go off. Jack Johns was injured. He went off. And then the biggest moment of the game, another Jacob, this time one in the naughty corner, Jacob Saifidi puts on a nasty high shot and is sent off with 15 minutes to go. And with all those circumstances, you still probably felt the Tigers at Leichhardt should have been able to find a way to win this game. Now, if you tip the Tigers or you bet on the Tigers, you're not really going to probably give a lot of credit to the Knights. Everyone here is saying, you know, it was just a crappy, like horrible game. And you're just going to be angry at the Tigers' inability to take any chances and capitalise on such an awesome opportunity to win. You go back last week, they were favourites to beat the Titans and they weren't that close. And they were favourites to win today before all the misfortune the Knights had. And they weren't that close. The Tigers scored in the 80th minute, guys. So they basically didn't even pull it within a chance of winning until it was too late. They got, you know, they received the kickoff with 24 seconds to go or something. So even when they did finally score, yeah, the Knights had done enough to hang on. And one of the reasons that the Knights hung on in this game was the defence of Leo Thompson. You don't like to single out too many people, but he had two massive moments. Uh, absolute rib rattler he put on Simkin, the Tigers' um, bench hooker, and then another pivotal moment early in a Tigers attacking set. Leo Thompson comes up with the one-on-one strip. So Knights were brave. And now I want to talk about Newcastle because I could argue if Ponga doesn't get sent for an HIA in the first two games, they would have beaten New Zealand last week because they had them under the pump and they were only down two points at the time. And if Ponga doesn't get ruled out of the game today, you could argue the Knights would have won this one even more comfortably. And my most improved tip wouldn't be looking so bad at all. Uh, as Tristan mentioned, 
The Knights do play Friday. I feel like that's a pretty tough turnaround with all the all the bodies that they're going to need to get back on deck. Um, obviously, with the failed HIAs, now you're in protocol. Have you got enough time to even get out of that? Frizz got injured. Uh, Saifidi's obviously going to be suspended. So, again, Knights-Dolphins, very intriguing one Friday night. But, again, we will preview that on Wednesday. We've got one last game to talk about. Where's Clarkey? Let him have it, guys. It was the Dragons winning 32-18. to 18. And once again, Cash, the mixed matchup where I took the Dragons and I wanted them to outscore the Sharks. And I admit I got that half wrong because I didn't think the Sharks would score that many points against the Eels. I thought they'd be under 20 points in that game. They scored 30. So I wasn't too confident about this Dragons game especially when the Dragons had no points in the first half hour of the game. And our best bet was also on the Dragons to not be losing at half time. Now, this bet that I took, look, again, I don't have a crystal ball. I didn't know the Dragons were going to win today. I didn't know they were going to be winning at half time. It was more that in my eyes, I didn't think the Titans are any better than the Dragons. And I was willing to take an ugly team that I know can let you down at times. And we nearly did pay the price for playing the Dragons today in the first half because the Titans scored the first two tries of this game and it was pretty weak defending. Like, I was blowing up. I thought that was a really terrible decision by the ref where the Dragons dragged the Titans in over the sideline and they called, like, said it was held and gave the Titans a penalty and the Titans scored a try directly off that set. But at the end of the day, that's no excuse for the tries you let in. Meanwhile, the other end of the field, Dragons botched two early tries down the left-hand side. They've moved Lomax to the left left centre, maybe so he can't do these stupid right backhand flick passes anymore. So the first um, opportunity he gets, he throws a forward pass for a try. And they botched another one as, where, as well where Fiungai uh, dropped it. But in saying that, the Dragons scored three tries in the final 10 minutes of the first half, cashed our best bet. In fact, we didn't even need the last one, which came off a Titans mistake in the final minute of the first half. It was already 12-all and we had plus a half a point. But, boy, did we still enjoy that try because it gave us a real sniff of the mixed matchup with 16 at half time, and with another 16 in the second half by the Dragons, they got to 32, and we win the mixed matchup. Dragons 32, defeating the Sharks 30. How good was that? Uh, Sloan, he is an exciting young gun at fullback. You know, they probably shouldn't have been playing him in this position earlier. He had a, a scoot that set up the uh, opening try for the Dragons. And in the end, that was the that was a run of 30 straight points that St. George had in this game that really put the Titans to the sword. Let's give another shout-out to a Jacob. Not Jacob win, although we did go three and one best bets and win the mixed matchup uh, this week. But Jacob Little off the bench looks like a really strong pickup. I wonder if he should be starting over Moses and Bayer. So that's my takeaways from the round. I'd love to still hear what you think and feel free to comment let us know. Once again, the Dolphins and the Dragons are top of the ladder. You've got to love the NRL. Let's see if we can predict what's been a pretty unpredictable competition this week on Wednesday night when Clarkey, I'm sure, will be back. He'll lick his wounds and he will be back to dissect the upcoming round with me. Have a great week until then, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Lego.